Fritz Cairn here. It better be bloody important. It is to you. I'll start packing my bags. Who is this? Just a good citizen who knows your life here is over. What are you talking about? The records are so easy to fake, aren't they? You know what you are. Soon everyone will know, even Naomi. Who is this? I'm not your English bastard. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we take a look at another facet of the Highlander universe and discuss it in detail. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And this week we are going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 15, Starcrossed. But before we get into that episode, we got some reader mail to tackle. Listener mail. Listener, Listener mail. mail. One of these days we'll be able to get our heads around the fact that we are not a print publication. But I'm reading it. <laughs> That's true. Like all mail, you're reading it. So in some ways all mail is reader mail. Reading mail? <laughs> or we will publish a magazine. Just so that our saying reader mail That's a good is idea. accurate. Our first email is in regards to the episode Blackmail, which starred... Oh, it's another male connection. Another male connection. Why does it have to be black, and why does it have to be male? That's true. Yeah. You know Get what? woke. This is 2017. That's right. <laughs> That's very funny. That was very funny. <laughs> All right. This is from Brian S. Impeccable show, gentlemen. Thank oh, you, thank you, Brian. Uh, just was curious. End of message. End of message. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you think that more people would have come across two guys swinging swords during the day than at night, i.e. line of fire. Also, who's watching Duncan? Obviously, Joe was clueless to the fight Mac just had. For that matter, where was Peter Matlin's watcher? How the watchers get any watching done is beyond me. Just how accurate are their chronicles? Would love your guys' thoughts. Hope to see you guys in Los Angeles for the gathering. Brian S. Oh, we hope to see you too, Brian. That's right. Not if we see you first. Uh <laughs> Let's talk about how the Watchers watch anything. Are the Watcher Chronicles fake news? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. I mean, I totally buy into the idea that like it's more territorial and less person to person. It's like it's like playing zone defense instead of man on man. Like that Joe would be Mat- Matlin's Watcher when he's in Seacouver. Hmm. Like cuz that involves a phone call. That's I mean, I can it, see I... how that like saves on administrative costs and like a bunch of other things, travel expenses. I feel but at like the same I, time, maybe that's not as effective. That's I, not how it's established in the show, though, right? Nah. Yeah, and also, like, they have to really carefully orchestrate a handoff then as they travel from territory to territory. Right. And if you don't have someone actually on them at all times, you won't know when they've passed from one zone into the next zone. But and actually, it busy- all just takes place in the zone. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm, that's right. And also, if you're busy watching Duncan, like... Just because Matlin comes to Seacouver doesn't mean him and Duncan are really going to cross paths. So yeah, apparently everyone be, comes to right, Seacouver. Right, but I mean, like they the might time. be doing yeah. their own independent things, and it's like so. If Joe's watching Mac, he, it's impossible for him to watch Matlin. Well, then they do that thing where like they stuck Joe in to like that episode with Grayson. They stuck him into Band of Brothers with yeah. that infuriating clip with like the rear projection. Yeah. It was terrible. Maybe they could do that 
but I feel like it doesn't make sense. And Joe is spending an awful lot of his time not watching Mac and right, like polishing true. pint glasses or something. I mean, it's a lot of work running a bar. It is a lot. <laughs> that of is work. a full time job. Yeah, he needs to get like a coach and a, and a Carla <laughs> to help work his bar. What? <laughs> I also think... Cheers. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I was a little behind on that one. But sometimes you do want to go. A fun story that could be... Where explained. everybody knows your name. And yeah. the Watchers, they do know your name if you're an immortal. That's true. That's actually the only time they know your name. Cheers <laughs> is a Watcher bar. It's Cheers is a Highlander spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying our Frasier fanfic. I feel like there could be an interesting story. Maybe there's another Watcher who has a similar relationship with their immortal, but that immortal is not so honest about things and, like plays off that he's really nice to his watcher and like but maybe lies and because hmm. like joe seems to maybe get info just from mac like yeah mac tell me what you did and i'll record it but it would be interesting if there was like falsified information in the chronicles because mm. one of the immortals was just lying yeah well it doesn't really seem like you should be getting the history from the participants in this yeah. case like this game is about murdering people i'm sure there will be a lot of unreliable narrators very good what other mail do we got Okay, this is Brad from Canada, and oh, wow. he's writing us about the episode Shadows. Hey guys, new to the podcast, thanks for giving me a reason to get off my butt and go back and watch this great series. Which, not to pick nits, but I think you can do on your butt. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We didn't have to get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, regarding Shadows and Garrett not killing Richie, actually, it made total sense. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I read that wrong. <laughs> actually... One, if he took Richie's head, the quickening would have alerted Mac before Garrett was prepared to fight him. Hmm. Two, at this point, Garrett still had the advantage of Matt thinking the hooded man was a hallucination. Taking Richie's head confirms to Mac that he isn't crazy, and he may have to break the spell that is over him. Otherwise, while fun, I felt this episode was batshit crazy. (laughs) And you're right. I have no idea why Anne sticks around. Cheers. Brad from Canada. Cheers, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I I still think he could have taken Richie's head with minimal consequence. Maybe. Also, let's not forget the absolute low point Mac is at. Oh, that's true. He's just guzzled those, like, antipsychotic pills or whatever they are, like the sleeping meds. Right. But Garrett doesn't know that, though, right? Right. That's true. He just thinks Mac's sulking upstairs. He's banking on Mac being, like, out of sorts. Right. He's, like, extra out of sorts, though. But it still comes to nothing because Mac can still just beat him for reasons. All right. But thank you, Brad from Canada. Yes, sir. Uh, so before we also jump into this episode, we should talk a little bit about the Highlander 25th anniversary convention. Highlander Worldwide. That's right. Coming up this October. Very exciting. In, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, California. October 20th to the 22nd. Just in time for right before Halloween. That's right. Yeah, just in time <laughs> for that time where you dress up. Yeah. <laughs> will people be dressing up for Halloween early as Highlander characters? Probably. I will. Yeah? What's you your really? costume going to be? I'm going to dress up like tessa oh, okay I, i'm gonna dress up as fat dave foley from <laughs> um, from what is that episode uh family tree right no no road not taken road not, not taken. taken damn it <laughs> which i still don't understand the title of that episode but it's fine yeah what's the road not taken i don't know not doing drugs not doing drugs <laughs> that's what it is no sure king the road kong of not drugs angel just. but anyway king we, kong on angel dust we yeah. here at Highlander rewatch are very excited about the convention it's going to be a blast so let's talk about some of the guests that are going to be there who we got we got adrian paul we got elizabeth grayson we got F. Braun McGash. We got Anthony DeLongis. We right. got Gillian Horvath. We got Ken Gord. 
Others. Others. <laughs> David Abramowitz. David Abramowitz. Wow. Did we already say Stan Kirsch? No, Stan Kirsch. Kirsch. Oh, Peter Wingfield. Peter Wingfield. Confirmed. So there's quite the spread. It's, it's like everybody. It's going to be awesome. This is a murderer's row, a Highlander's <laughs> row of murderers. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of fun stuff at the convention. Yeah. Um, all the people are going to be putting on classes, which is really cool. That's something that I think is unique to Highlander conventions. Yeah. Where it's normally, you know, you see a panel, get some autographs, that sort of thing, get a picture. But Highlander's a little different, and you get to take some classes. So Adrian's going to be doing his sword experience. Elizabeth Grayson is going to be doing a fan kata class, which looks pretty cool and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other classes we got? Some whip mastering with Mr. Delongis. That's right. The whip master to the stars. Mm-hmm. I think F. Braun McCash might be doing his knife combat Absolutely. class again. Yeah. There's going to be some panels, and I'm sure there's going to be some surprises, and it should be a lot of fun. Oh, and I think Peter Wingfield might be showing off his doctoring skills with a live autopsy. Yeah, Peter Wingfield <laughs> is going to be <laughs> diagnosing everyone on the spot. spot yeah. he, wa- he doesn't mind at all. Trust Screenings him. for everyone. <laughs> He'll be doing a mole check for everyone. So who are you guys most excited to meet in person? We've met some of these people before, but we're going to see them again. Yeah, we've met a lot of these people and spoken to a lot of these people. We've spoken to almost everyone, which is Rad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it'll be fun to actually meet a lot of the people that we spoke to in person. Like, I don't know if I'm more or less excited. I'm just excited for the whole darn the whole kitten shebang. caboodle. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited that like Peter Wingfield is coming back from his exciting doctoring career. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I find to be an amazing follow up career to acting. But well, it's funny that was actually uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit more in our next episode about Peter Wingfield. But that was his original career. He started as a doctor. Oh, really? And he comes from like a family of doctors. And Interesting. While he was in medical school, he left to do acting. Hmm. And then after you know he had a pretty good career, uh, he decided he wanted to return to yeah. the medical field. Some guys have it all. They do. He's very handsome. That's very true. <laughs> handsome man. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see David Abramowitz. I admire him a lot. I think he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, we'll see if he wants to talk to you. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and he was like our first real guest, he right? Was. Yeah, he was our yeah. first guest. So that's neat. That'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, everyone, if you haven't bought your tickets already, make sure to head on over to HighlanderWorldwide.com today and purchase your tickets. So we can't wait to see everybody there, and uh, we'll see you there, and make sure to talk to us. We want to hear from you and meet you, and a lot of you we've interacted with a bunch on Facebook, via email, all that sort of stuff. So Not we... fishing, but give us gifts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just buy, buy us a beer. <laughs> buy us a beer. That's right. That's or just... beers. Beers. Buy us beers, yeah. yeah. We will drink multiple beers. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Should we dive into this episode? Yeah. Let's shell. This week we are talking about Season 3, Episode 15, Starcrossed. This episode was first aired February 27th, 1995. The director was Paolo Barsman. He's back, back baby. baby. <laughs> Why did we do that? Paolo Barsman back, baby. I don't know. Don't it kind of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Paolo Barsman uh, used to direct Chili's commercials. That's <laughs> that's I. Yeah. He wants his baby back. That's right. All right. So we saw baby Paolo back. recently. He did Song of the Executioner. That was the last episode we watched. Oh. Uh, as well as The Darkness, The Hunters, Legacy, among a bunch of others. A lot he of has, good ones. Yeah, a lot of good ones. He has four more to go. So, oh. Not too many. Four more years. Four <laughs> more years. I'm going to be sad when he's uh, not around anymore. I think Bar's he's... been counting down. <laughs> That's right. The official it's the Bar's been countdown. <laughs> it starts now. Uh, the writer of this was Jim Makachuk. He's a Canadian writer and director, and this is his second of only two Highlander episodes. Uh, the first was Blind Faith, and we talked about this guy before, obviously, because we yeah. talked about Blind Faith. This is that like children's writer dude. 
Uh, and he's done like lots of Heathcliff. Um, so I was kind of curious about <laughs> that Gentle cat. Man. Yeah. yeah, I was just kind of curious about Heathcliff in general. Like it's been forever since I've seen that show, so mm-hmm. I looked it up on IMDb. That's this, that's not a quote I hear often. I was yeah. curious about Heathcliff. Yeah. So this is just a sampling of a Heathcliff IMDb episode description. Ooh. Okay, uh, this is from season two, episode eight, nineteen eighty six. That's rear, the name of the episode. Yes, or? and it's called Rear Window, uh, Rear Cat Window slash Cat Days, comma Ninja Nights. <laughs> I guess what? they're like all little shorts. shorts. Yeah. They yeah. must be. All right. I, I prefer to think that's one cohesive whole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While laid up with a broken leg, Heathcliff thinks he's witnessed the dog napping of Spike. He sends the alley cats on a detecting misadventure. Finally, he takes the investigation into his own paws, but the alley cats leave him dangling. Spike returns and sends Heathcliff flying to another broken leg. That's, I guess, the first description. Which is like a whole Hitchcock riff. Right. Yeah. Which children will not understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is very high concept. Right. But Ninja Knights, raiding a sushi bar, the Cadillac cats come against the Ninja Cat Watcher and are soundly beaten and thrown out. Riff Raff challenges the Ninja Cat to a meeting in the junkyard and trains to be a ninja himself, but is again soundly beaten after reverting to dot, dot, dot. And I'm not joking. It's not a click for more. That's the end of the oh, okay. It just ends like that. <laughs> I'm sure that episode of uh, Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats is very culturally sensitive. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no. You're right. It's probably really a mess. Yeah. Is that written by the same... Is, is this, did you choose an episode written by this writer? Uh, I, I think he was like the supervising producer on all this stuff. So hmm. he had his hand in this. In this sushi. In this yeah. sushi, <laughs> sushi jar. Who stole the sushi from the sushi jar? This episode guest stars Roger Daltrey as Hugh Fitzcarran, he's back. Um, and his name is Hugh Fitzcarran because he's no. the lead singer of The Who. No! <laughs> that's, Hugh Fitzcarran. That's what I have in my notes, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is his third of seven episodes. Oh, so sort of Fun with timelines. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, and this episode also guest stars David Robb. He's back as Callus. Oh, also, it's guest stars Michelle Modo. Oh, Maurice. Maurice. Is back. Uh, it's the last time we saw him was like in season two and not even like in the last episode. He didn't even say goodbye. I remember yeah. like Richie and Mac just like walked away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they gave him the French goodbye. And just a recap he died in 2008 oh. at 71. 2008? <laughs> yeah. We mentioned this before, but he was in a movie called Poltergay. <laughs> What? Remember this? No. And the description is when Mark and Emma move into their new house, they have no idea that in the 1970s, their basement was a gay nightclub, which had been destroyed by a fire, and that the house itself is now haunted by the ghost of five gay and mischievous clubbers. What? <laughs> this no, is amazing. So I do want to see Okay, that. we definitely did not talk about that. I think we talked about it a little. No. I would remember uh, yeah. something called Poltergay. Poltergay. What? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so... If that's not offensive, I will be <laughs> shocked. Yeah, that that has a rest. And what year was it made? I'm not sure no. when it was made. It was made recently, though. It's a modern movie. Okay. I have a feel like, feeling like that it's being a little tongue-in-cheek and wearing it on its sleeve. The, mm. like, over-the-top like, gayness trip. Boat Trip? I've not seen Boat Trip. Oh, you should watch it. Should I? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's very bad. Oh. <laughs> Roger Moore's in it. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Should we get, hop into the IMDb episode description for this episode? Yes. <laughs> In the continuation of the Callus cycle, Duncan has fled to Paris and meets up with Hugh Fitzcairn. Fitz is madly in love with Naomi, a fellow culinary instructor at Le Cordon Bleu. But her ex-boyfriend, Patrick, is determined to win her back no matter how he has to get Fitz out of the way. In flashback to 1637 Verona, Fitz is pursuing the daughter of Duncan's employer, and Duncan is ordered to get Fitz out of the way. 
In modern day, Callus has followed Duncan to Paris, continuing his plan to torment Duncan by hurting the people he loves. Callus uses Patrick as a pawn to frame Fitz. Wow. Wow. That was long. It was long, but not a train wreck. It made nope. sense. Everything was coherent. In modern day, <laughs> we have to talk about how this episode starts. That's right. That's true. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the opening. Um, we get a last week on Highlander. Last it's week on Highlander. Very long. Which is very yeah. long. It is uh, three minutes and seven seconds I have. Yeah. So the episode doesn't actually start until four minutes and 27 seconds in, including the theme song. Right. And some of the clips they chose to include, I just found baffling, which just made it feel like padding. Like, yeah. you see Paul die, then you see Mac get the rosary. Yeah, the what rosary does this mean? What does this mean? It means Paul is dead. We just we saw just him saw die! <laughs> yeah. It's also interesting that they gave it to us in the opposite order that the show laid out. Right. Which I was a little curious about. Like, we see Paul die before the confrontation with Callus in the past. In this recap, we get Callus's murder spree first, then him killing Paul. So, a recap for our listeners in the last episode. Do we need to even do that? I don't know. Does everyone remember what happened? Go listen to our previous episode. That's it's right, really yeah. good and you should enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's great. And listen to our back catalog of two years of Highlander podcasting. That's right. We're celebrating two years. So, the opening, uh, we get the Eiffel Tower. We've now moved to Paris and we get this like kind of crazy goofy music which kind of crazy which you're listening to right now it's nuts it's yeah. bonkers <laughs> what and the fact that there's an Eiffel Tower in the background like made me laugh out loud <laughs> it's like did they did they think that this was necessary to let us know we were in Paris maybe it's like well the Eiffel Tower alone can't do it this yeah. music yeah, has to, we need music. this music <laughs> uh so Mac has gotten off a plane and he's, you know, got his luggage. He's going down like an escalator. And then he gets the buzz. As Hugh is, yeah. like, right behind him. Knock up on yeah. him. <laughs> he's closer than arm's reach. Yes. Like, he's about to whisper creepy nothings in Mac's <laughs> ear. Right. He's so close when he realizes it. Yeah, this is like uh, the lamb with... Uh, Kenny. 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 Seeking up. Seeking up on Dalman Ross. Dalman Ross. Dalman Ross didn't know it. Uh, so anyway, I'm super happy to see Fitz. It's like... I don't know. Yeah. He smiled as soon as he popped on screen with his pipe. Ah, it's the best. Fitz is the best. Around. But, uh, Fitz is there to pick Mac up and, I guess, take him home. So they're off driving. Mm-hmm. And I think the scene is really funny. Hugh drives like a madman. Right. He's insane. Yeah. He's like cutting people off and weaving in between cars yep. going different directions <laughs> down the road. And Mac some plays reason. it pretty well. He's like, like yeah. really yeah. gripped on the seat. side. <laughs> I love their interactions together. This brings out the lighter side of Mac. Although, like, it is totally, like, you have to just get over the, like, if Richie was doing stuff like this, Mac would be flipping out. Like, yeah. Somehow, Fitz gets a pass on being, like, insane. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, because I guess Fitz is ancient. And right. Richie is younger than us. <laughs> yeah. He's a young buck. That's weird. Richie's younger than us. Weird. 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 So we find out that uh, Fitz is in love with this woman named Naomi. She's a beautiful, intelligent work of art. Naomi, 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 Naomi. <laughs> and he met her in cooking school. And Mac is like, oh, you're learning how to cook? And he's like, no, I'm teaching, which I think is really funny. And he's yeah. writing a cookbook as well. I, I totally forgot about this plot point and like laughed out loud. Writing a cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you forgot the importance of reading in these episodes, because like yeah. this really melts my heart a little bit. <laughs> Mac and Hugh discovering literacy together. That's yeah. true. 
while they're driving, somebody starts like trying to chase Fitz off the road. Yeah, which is crazy. And I I love the music here. As goofy as the opening music was, the music in this scene is like I think really cool. It's this like pizzicato guitar sort of thing. It's got like high energy. I think it's really neat. But. Yeah, and they managed to run Mac and Hugh off the road and flip their car. Yeah, yeah and it's it nuts. Slides on its roof, and all these sparks come out. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> It's a pretty cool car stunt. Yeah. Yeah, this car chase is actually pretty good. Like, all this car work is actually pretty high quality. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. They make it all look tense and realistic and pretty great. Yeah, this is a a good opening to the episode. Like, in a different episode, this would be, like, I don't know, more high stakes. Like, it's fun that there's, like, an action scene, but it's a funny action scene, I guess. Is it ever explicitly stated who is chasing them no No, but i think you're supposed to figure it out that it's this nebbish cooking nerd patrick or is it it somebody that hugh cut off while he was driving it's actually just purely a road rage yeah (laughs) i yeah i think it's supposed to be patrick but like it doesn't really get it doesn't make sense chronologically mac doesn't doesn't really question it that much either yeah it's like what happened there like this seems like a big deal yeah somebody tried to murder a major crime (laughs) it's kind of nuts yeah also, I don't know if we mentioned, like, kind of in the airport and in the car, Mac kind of catches Hugh up on why he's in Paris. Mm-hmm. He's right. like, oh, I died. I yeah. had to come here. So they eventually, they cut, and it, they take a, cax- a taxi? A taxi back to yeah, the barge. Yeah, a taxi. Yeah. And Maurice greets them at the barge. He's So here's back. Maurice. He's back. All right, what? so Mar- Maurice is here, and the barge is back, because it was gone at the end of last season, Yeah, they right? sold it, they and sold they had it. to, like, they needed some dialogue to figure out why they brought yeah. it back. Right. So, like, from talking to Ken Gord, was this just that they had intended to find somewhere else to shoot and couldn't find somewhere better? So they're like, yeah, shit, that's that the barge. That's exactly what it was. On the yeah. special features, he talks about that, too. It's like, we wanted somewhere else, we looked all over the place, and at the end of the day... We came back to the, the hardest place it was possible to shoot. And, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there's some kind of goofy dialogue about, like, oh, how'd you get it back? And Maurice is just like, my business acumen. And it's like, that's like writer code for, yeah. like, fuck it, move yeah. on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, then he gives the real answer, which is, I told him that money was no object. Yeah. <laughs> and Max's reaction, like, they play off each other well here. Max yeah. is just like, who told you money was no object? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is yeah, Max rich or not? Yes. Mac must be completely He's, loaded. Yeah. Have you seen this barge? How many people own barges and antique stores and like loft gyms? Loft, <laughs> loft gyms. Though, yeah. for all we know, C. Coover is just a shithole slum. So yeah. <laughs> maybe that. Dollar gets him far. Yeah. Yeah. He's just Mac actually just a slumlord. <laughs> yeah. There, there's some funny dialogue about Maurice saying Fitz doesn't look English or something. Oh right. He's like, are you Scottish too yeah. or whatever? And he's like English. And he's like, oh, it doesn't show. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> And like later, Fitz is like, "What did he mean by that?" Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, I think he mentions that he's a chef. Oh, and then and then that's when he says it. Well, that's why he says, "Are you sure you're English?" Oh, it's a it's a food ding on the English having really boring food. Mm, Who knew boiling wasn't the best way to cook stuff? (laughs) That's all changed very drastically. Oh, has it, Mister Food Expert? I'm just saying that the English have pretty good food now. I would say are, are this, is, s- this is an unfair stereotype that I think has gone away mostly, but I don't think it has. Really? Oh, I think people still make that joke. World class food in England, jolly good. Oh, oh are you saying <laughs> that's class accent? Yeah. yeah. Are, are you saying that stereotypes have a hard time keeping up with yeah. reality? Yeah, Keith? That's it. But then I wanted to just talk about Hughes, like. Morris is like, the dinner, the, the lunch I made is cold. And then Hugh's like, well, we could have some greens, some fresh parmesan. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> greens and parmesan? 
Does he just want like a salad or like <laughs> lettuce with parmesan? I think so. That's yes. lunch. <laughs> I'm into it. I could eat it. I could. Yeah. I mean, it's just a salad. Salad is lunch. Blech. I think he was gonna have the salad with the veal. Oh, that's it. I think so. And have like a cold because the problem is the veal's cold. The veal's so now cold it's a now. veal salad. Right. Mm. Look at that. <laughs> what kind of cooking facilities also, what are that? on a boat? <laughs> They're probably very small. Yeah. yeah. But adequate, I'm sure. Hmm. Also, what was that voice you did for Hugh? <laughs> I don't know. Did I do? A you did a French did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a French voice. I wasn't I sure. <laughs> Some Parmesan. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Wrong voice. <laughs> anyway, this is all pretty great. Looks funny. Looks funny. Is funny. Looks great. Uh, we cut. Uh, we're on the streets, and Mac and Fitz are talking. And they're kind of talking about love, and Fitz is talking mm. about how he's never met a woman like this. And he's like, I never realized how lonely I was. And he's like, I've been with thousands of women. I was yeah. like, thousands Whoa! of women? That's crazy. Did we ever talk about... He was about... patient zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Do we ever talk about do immortals get STDs or STIs? Sexually transmitted immortals. <laughs> or infections, as maybe, the case may be. Maybe no. an I'm saying, STI. I'm going to go ahead and say no. No. Yeah, why not? Because then, boy, oh boy, I wish I was immortal. Baby. Oh boy! Because <laughs> then, like, they literally would be just like disease carriers. Yeah, like all these people born before vaccines, like they're just gonna have all these ancient <laughs> bugs oh, in their yeah. system. They're like they're just transmitting around, walking melted permafrost, and all the like, <laughs> bugs just fly out. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the beginning of a horror movie, yeah. if they're, like, petri dishes for all these diseases, <laughs> right? Like, Mac is just a bubonic plague carrier yeah. at that yeah. point. So, Fitz thinks <laughs> Mac should have told Anne that he loved her and yeah. deal with the immort- immortality, and I guess he hasn't told Naomi yet, but he's planning mm. on telling her because he loves her. Yeah. Mm. So, then we cut to Le Cordon Bleu, which is a cooking school, and inside... His girlfriend Naomi is like plating a whole lobster, a whole lot. Yeah, and, but like they needed her like something <laughs> for her to something. do, and so she just is like poking <laughs> it around. Like yeah. everything it's is so- cooked. It's like it's all done, and, and there's like just, nothing else on the plate. It's no, just, just a plate and a around. lobster. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta make sure I center this. <laughs> to make sure yeah. it's thorax is lined. Up. It's like obviously busy work. Yeah, and what's his name again? Patrick. Patrick. He's harassing her. Right, and also. This is a very quick reminder about ADR coming back in the Oh, right, episodes, yeah. Because it's all ADR. Yeah, it's this guy, Patrick. <laughs> and whatever, and the voice they gave him is suitably awful to, like, fit his pathetic character. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about ADR and listen to a clip from Ken Gord. Ooh. The revoicing definitely was necessary. Really? And I think uh, I we probably revoiced re- 99% of the um, French actors. Oh and after a while, um, I started to change my habits a bit in terms of some of the smaller parts because um, just in terms of economics, instead of casting an actor and paying whatever it was, I don't know, three or 4,000 francs and having him revoiced, which I knew was going to happen because uh, it was a small part. and. He was speaking with his accent. I would just cast someone off the street or pay someone in the crew to do it, and um, they'd get revoiced anyway. So at some point, they just get randos to be all these people because <laughs> yeah. they're like, screw it, we're not using your voice anyway. Right, which is pretty funny. Although I'm sure Patrick was an actor. This guy's got a pretty big role. How is it that they're not able to find French actors that have an acceptable enough accent? Yeah, good question. I don't like, know. What kind of casting calls were they getting that they couldn't find someone with a suitable voice? I find that puzzling. No, you're right. Yeah. It's just strange because I'm the- sure the casting note says, 
in English. Right. Yeah, I'm sure all the French actors were pissed about it. <laughs> yeah. Where they're just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I don't sound like this. Yeah. I they said this to my mom and everything. Yeah. They can't put it on their reel because it's like very poorly ADR. <laughs> I love the way you uh, made somebody else's voice come out of your mouth in this reel. So anyway, Mac and Fitz come into the cooking school and Naomi and Patrick are already arguing. Fitz is rocking a ponytail, so we get like, it's like a double rainbow. Double ponytails <laughs> walk into this kitchen. Double rainbow. Yeah, and he comes in just as Patrick is ribbing on him with your delightful quote in the beginning of the episode. He's like, oh, you would be with me if it weren't for that English bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then they, like, have a fight in the kitchen. It's random. It's the most random thing ever. He's like, he calls him chum. And he's like, I'm not your chum. <laughs> and yeah. he just, like, goes straight for punching. Just, like, goes to a thousand. Yeah. And then, like, Mac separates them. And Fitz takes a fucking cheap shot at him. <laughs> yeah. Tries to get a cheap shot at Patrick and decks Mac. Yeah. And Mac's just like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this guy, Patrick, is just a loon. He is. He's a crazy person. Yeah. Like, and I guess we are supposed to believe that he's the one who tried murdering them on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he saw that there was someone else in the car, too. And he's like, I don't care. Right. Yeah. I'm going to murder that guy, too. You know what's, I think, kind of remarkable about this episode in some ways? Like, I feel like this script with, like, just a little bit of a nudge would be, like, a very serious episode with not many changes. Like, it's mostly the performances, I think, and the reactions and everything. Like, this guy tried to murder them in the beginning. Like, that didn't have to be played for any sort of comedy. And then this whole fight in the kitchen could just be, like, a fucking brawl. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of this episode could be, like, dark. Yeah. it's not just because of the actors, which is cool. Yeah, that would be a waste of Roger Daltrey if it was, like, so stodgy. Also, like, in the script, you can see that, like, there's a ton of improv in this episode, which is also, I think, a big plus. Hmm. Which is cool. Also, did anyone notice Mac is basically chewing the entire time he's in the kitchen? Well, because he's just school? stealing food. Because he keeps yeah. eating food, like, every scene. Even when he gets punched in the mouth, he's like, ow! And then he continues to <laughs> chew food. And he's just, like, sticking his head in pots. He, like, wants to yeah. smell everything. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's like, this is a side of Mac we don't see. <laughs> He's like the, the hedonist bot. <laughs> all right, so we cut to later in the kitchen. Mac is asking, like, what's this all about? There was this punching, the car crash. Fitz is like, oh, people are just trying to get in the way of love. And Mac's like, I guess a cold shower won't fix it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then there's a little container of sauce that transitions to being, like, paint. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, like, he reaches it. I thought he, like, there was, like, a canopy or something yeah, like gets, that in there. Gets, and he, like... Mac goes to steal it, and that transitions right into like the, the table he's getting it off of is not the table in the present; it's the table in the past, essentially, like the way the cut works. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I think this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's not my favorite cut in this episode. <laughs> All right, but so it's a good one. <laughs> uh, we cut. It's a flashback to Verona, Italy, sixteen thirty-seven, in this palace, and the the guy's name is. Doge? D-O-G-E? Doge. Doge? Is that mm-hmm. his name? It's, okay. it's actually just the do- the the doggy meme, yep. the Doge. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, wow. So Verona. <laughs> Much virgin. <laughs> so this yep. uh, young woman, the princess, is getting her portrait painted. Mm. Um, and Duncan MacLeod is in the palace, and I guess her father, Doge. <laughs> is, is that a title? Uh, I don't know. I don't I'm know. guessing it is. Doge, I, Doge Kaminsky? Doge I'm thinking this is a title, but for some reason, somehow he's a prince, is what we're yeah. informed. Yeah. And this man's voice, he's the prince of funny voices. Oh, yeah. This Italian <laughs> accent is out of control. He sounds like these. That's it. Uh, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's been spoiled. <laughs> 
Which also, the protective talk of her virginity was making me very uncomfortable. I was like, this does not age well. Nope. You've ruined her. It's like, (laughs) whoa. So, yeah, he wants Mac to go after some guy that's been sending her love letters to, like, protect her virginity. That's right. We cut outside in the courtyard. Well, first he's, like, handed a letter, and Mac is regarding it very suspiciously. Yeah, Yeah. we're not sure what he makes of it at first, it would seem, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the prince is, like, fuming off, why am I surrounded by idiots? (laughs) Like, I will kill everyone myself. He, like, (laughs) walks away and says, idiots, I'm surrounded by idiots. And I'm like, why are you saying that? <laughs> he's he's just an angry guy. Yeah. All right. So we cut outside of this castle. This all looks awesome. I think it like, looks great. There's a bunch of extras. There's a dude juggling. Juggling. They have a juggler. <laughs> wow, juggler. I know. Straight the for circus. the juggler. We cut straight for the juggler, <laughs> and then it pans <laughs> over to Mac. Actually, juggalos. <laughs> uh, so this is pretty rad. They really like milk this castle set. They use yeah. every corner of this location. This apparently very cold castle yeah, set. Yeah, very yeah. cold. Because um, you can see. Some of the prince's breath as he's fuming <laughs> yeah. at Mac. These Ugh. costumes look amazing. Mac is in full-on musketeer outfit with his like little mustache and it's awesome. So Mac is talking to like some scribe that's there, and he yeah. wants him to read this letter to him, and he has to pay him like two pieces for it. Two ducats. Two ducats, and he bumps the price to three ducats. So this guy reads this letter. It says, love blossoms in the deepest part of his soul that she cannot deny the tenderness of their kisses. And uh, the rest is a little bit more personal yeah so, like so fitz is just like sexting yes. yeah this young woman this so the next part just sext <laughs> the next part just says send nudes <laughs> draw nudes yeah here is a drawing of my penis he actually just draws an eggplant yeah <laughs> modern romance unsolicited eggplant drawing <laughs> So then we cut, and so we're Mac nearby. gets the meeting time from yes. this letter. Yeah, they're gonna meet, I guess, outside the wall or wherever they're gonna meet. We cut, and then there's like a bunch of nuns walking by, and the princess is like kind of in disguise. She's got like a shawl over her face. And yeah, she's kind of sneaking off. To she meet Fitz. breaks off and meets Fitz, and then Mac like appears from like behind a corner or something. Well, first, or he's, he's like on, on the, the roof wall, or something. And he's yeah. like, they get the buzz, and he catches them, and then like instantly he like bat max and he's yeah. like right there it's like well i think there's supposed to be some kind of like you're on the wall and then there's a little ramp that leads down on the oh side. i'm sure there's stairs and things like that but he gets there like really quick he's fast yeah <laughs> fast man the way he says like he mumbles her name because <laughs> also his accent's super thick in this yeah. flashback also how do you come to work for this prince yeah and what's his job is he just like a leg breaker for this guy yeah this isn't like the most noble job it would seem he's like Mac. a Mac, thug this is goon yeah. mac <laughs> goon mac <laughs> he's just he's just gooning for this guy who's clearly a violent asshole <laughs> yeah pick your employers better mac yeah and fitz looks amazing fitz is yeah. wearing like violet like yeah. pastel thing with like oh, he covered Ma- in doilies yeah, yeah. <laughs> he calls mac a fop and then mac's like really <laughs> Actually, can we press on this employment situation a little harder? Go ahead. Hang on. So one of the conflicts that we have not delved into yet is that the prince that Mac is employed by has a feud with Gaspari, who's like a feuding other guy of some sort. Because they're like really trying to play up this whole Romeo and Juliet thing. Yeah, this is very Romeo Because the episode's called Starcross, they're in Verona, so on and so forth. Forbidden love. Just thinking about Romeo and Juliet is there's two feuding families and there is a prince who's like, get your shit in line. 
But Mac works for the prince. Like, why does he have a feud with someone? <laughs> like, he the, he works for the guy who's on top of the feud chain. This is not a battle between equals. Right. Just thinking about that. I don't know. Minor point. Why is the prince squabbling with, like, one of his vassals? Yeah, just, like, fucking prince in there. and Prince in there. Yeah, use your prince abilities. Yeah. <laughs> just know. saying. Anyway. Interesting. So, Mac is like... It was not interesting. All right. <laughs> so, Mac's like, knock it off with the princess... And so now him and Fitz are going to duel mm-hmm. over this. And the princess is kind of smitten by this, it would seem. She's like, you're going to duel gonna over, fight me? over me? You're going to fight? <laughs> and then, you know, Max's like, all right, get out of here, broad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so they start dueling for a little bit. But then which there's a cool, they've got like rapiers and knives. I love this style of fighting, yeah. like with the dagger and a sword. Like, it's really rad. Yeah, it's super cool. But then they get interrupted by some, like, <laughs> some guy. Some yeah. guy soldier note, dude or whatever my note initially was just why is there a sign that says no dueling <laughs> because apparently they're like there's no dueling in this city can't you read and they both look at a sign on the wall that apparently says no duel right <laughs> so that kind of breaks up the fight i'm just picturing a no smoking sign yeah, yeah. with like rapier cross with a sword yeah. none of this nope also this guy's accent too is out of control yeah. <laughs> oh yeah hey i said no dueling <laughs> Also, who are all these guys who know how to read? Like, it's really common to not know how to read in the six. It's not like there's a public education system. It's not like right. people, everyone knows how to read. So, like, why is the, who's this condescending grunt who's like, can't you read? Can't you read? Yeah. I think the Veronans were known for their, you know. Literacy? Their, yeah, exactly. They're very <laughs> stuck the up. Very, they look down on a lot of people. Uh, we missed all the humor of, of Hugh being like, Yes, only a jackass wouldn't know how to read. Right, yeah. and they're like they're both like fronting that they know how to read. Yeah. Right, which is very good. Yeah. So they split up the fight, and while they are walking away, there's like a dude kind of hiding watcher. in the corner, which is a fun little just Easter yeah. egg. He's got like the watcher pendant. It's neat that they throw that in there. I think. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to the present, and Naomi is in the cooking school whisking some egg. Patrick comes storming into the kitchen, and he's like, he pushes some poor kid that's like carrying a bunch of vegetables. Yeah, get out of my way. <laughs> but then he. He busts in this room where Fitz and Naomi are with a gun. This guy's out of control. Yep. Uh, so he's like threatening them. Fitz like calls his bluff, which is kind of badass of him. Yeah, he's like really in action mode here. Yeah, like we never, yeah. you never, I don't think, expect this side of Fitz. Like he does not seem like a guy that picks a fight with anybody, really. Yeah, he's just like, what, are you going to shoot me? Yeah, yeah, like he really stands up for oh, he's himself like and Mac Naomi. in the episode um, Innocent uh, Man. Innocent man. Where he like, yeah. puts the shotgun in. It's like, shoot me! Do it! <laughs> yeah. That's right. A little less intense. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but this is almost equally as intense. Like, yeah. he puts the gun out of this guy's hand, and then he, like, the part puts the gun after his head. is crazy. Like, <laughs> he disarms him, like, gets him on the ground, pulls the bullets out, except for the one in the chamber, then fucking shoots, shoots it in a school. the gun at Yeah, him. he shot a gun in a school. Yeah. Also, when he shoots, there's a ricochet sound effect. Yeah, there is. He accidentally shoots Naomi. <laughs> that's, that's good. I thought that's where it was going. I was like, wait a minute. It's like her head going to be blown off when he like <laughs> turns around. And nobody reacted to the gunshot. When they go back no. out to the kitchen, everybody's just like going like it's normal. Right. So Patrick kind of walks off. Here, you stupid man. Yeah. <laughs> so Patrick. You stupid chum. <laughs> Patrick leaves with his tail between his legs. And then did anyone notice, like, is there like a lion roar? 
not in handcuffs. Yeah, not you know handcuffs. Those, oh, they, they just let him go. Yeah. yeah. Him go. It's like you tried to run me off the road, you punched me, and now you've tried to shoot me. Yeah, shouldn't they at least just try to get him fired for this nonsense? Yeah. Call yeah. the cops. He's clearly going to do this again. Yep. <laughs> yep. Clearly. All right, so is there like a lion roar at some point? I didn't know. I thought there was like a growl mm. uh, for Callus's real Whoa, reveal. Yeah. So Callus is like Spoiler. hiding. Spoiler. Spoiler. In two seconds. Callus <laughs> is hiding like yeah. in the hallway or whatever, and he catches Patrick when he's leaving. How's Callus just like allowed to walk into anywhere he wants? His good looks, his <laughs> his charm, his dulcet tones. Yeah, I do kind of wish he was. Man, please let, yeah. me, in. <laughs> let me in. Can you imagine if Callus was the voice of Siri? I found this on Wikipedia. <laughs> I wish he was in a chef outfit. <laughs> yeah, he should have oh, been. He was in a doctor outfit in the hospital. Yeah, he clearly has like a. A wardrobe. Like, he should. He should be I like wish... uh, in Twin Peaks. What's his name? Um, his former partner. Right. That's that's what Callis. Wyndham should... Earl. Wyndham Earl. That's mm. what Callis should have been like. And every time yeah. dressing up as like a librarian, <laughs> it's like a chef, <laughs> a hot dog stand guy, <laughs> a clown. <laughs> that would have been good. Callis. So Callis is employing. He's like witnessed this whole interaction. Yeah. Except for like most of it. Right. But he's going to use Patrick. That's like his MO is to like exploit people. Okay. Oh, yeah. Callus like confronts Patrick, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we cut to an outdoor cafe on the river. Fix Karen's basically like, uh, my records aren't up to date. Right. My forged mortal records. <laughs> yeah. Because he says it used to be so easy to do this, but now with like computers, it's like a lot trickier to fake all this shit. Just right. An interesting point. And he, like, gave himself degrees and job history. It needs to be fixed. Because Naomi's going to find out this shit. Yeah. But in reality, we come to find out later, the problem is he's updating it to corroborate his lies to Naomi. Right. Not an actual problem with his credentials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like, he was like the president's key chef or whatever. Uh, so we cut to the office that night at the Cordon Bleu. We got Master Hacker Macker. Master That's why Macker, he needs Hacker, Mac. Hacking Hacker, on the Macker, computer Master. again. Yeah. So they're hacking around. That's one does. And Mac, I like the way Mac is hacking. Like, he's just, like, looking around the computer screen. Like, his yeah. his, <laughs> his head is, like, looking at this corner, that corner. Like, it's like it's like he's reading a book or something. Like, oh, where is this nope. thing? Or, That's like, how you read a book? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're having so much trouble reading these emails. Looking for a book. Looking for a book is what I meant to say. Uh. Like, on a shelf. Like, when you're, like, trying to find something. Yeah. I see. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He really is moving around a lot. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, when the computer's, like... Like, I will never understand this, and TV shows still do this today. Like, the computer is always making beep and boop sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like, is. computers have been around at this point, like, for decades. Yeah. Like, personal computers. They don't make beeps and boops all the time. Like, it's like, like oh, I found it. Beep, boop, 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 <laughs> beep, boop, 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 boop. They actually just make that annoying Windows sound, the whoom, yeah. <laughs> that, you, that like it'll make ten times when you try to close it. Uh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. So the guard comes in and almost finds them. This is, I guess, kind of funny. They dive under the table to hide. Uh, but then, like, Fitz is walking around. He opens up, like, the mini fridge. Seconds after almost getting caught. He's like, yeah. steal somebody's lunch. Yeah, he's like, get no one lower here. out of there. Ooh, there's some olives. So, yeah, he claims that he worked, like, five years at Le Cirque in New York. He was a chef at the Connaught in London. Mm. And then it's like... Then they're like, oh, maybe you like cook for the prime minister, but then they change that to working for the president. For Harry Truman. Truman. Yeah. Which is good. He's like, he, he was president 40 years ago. <laughs> 
So, like, at some point, Fitz is like, well, let me give it a try. And so, like, then Mac starts rooting through the fridge, and Fitz yeah. has no fucking clue what he's doing. At this point, I have a note that, like, what is the fucking plot of this episode? <laughs> like, this is an insane episode plot-wise. Like, it almost doesn't have a plot. Like, it's so... But it's perfect. They don't need a plot. They just need to set up circumstances for goofy things to happen. Like, it's like, we just need Fitz and Mac getting caught doing something wrong, and they write a scene for that. And, like, they need to argue about something. We'll write a scene for that. Like, and it's just these, like, kind of random setups that have a loose thread connecting them all. Like, this is not the best, like, plot episode yeah you know what i mean yeah, but I very it. important plot things happen <laughs> very as, true as we will come to find out spoiler warning yeah i don't mean that as like a negative like necessarily a negative like i think the episode mm. actually is written really well but i think it's written to highlight the performances and just yeah. have like really great scenes but it's not necessarily like not like song of the executioner which was like a very plot heavy episode and like there were a lot of mechanics to it, and like the reasons why things were happening seemed fairly clear most of the time. So when Mac finally gets back to the computer, he has like a weird document on this screen that's like an ancient parchment or something, right. <laughs> and it like zooms in on it. When it zooms back, it's like the letter that they're looking at, right. or something. Yeah, that's the transition. It's like something on the screen. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we flash back to Verona. We're in the piazza. Hugh gets caught out of position, realize, admitting that he can't read. Right, because he's Mac shows him this letter that right. he had sent him, and Fitz is like, oh, that's just like a grocery list or whatever. And it's like, you wrote this fucking thing. Like, <laughs> And it turns out he didn't write it, and there's some funny dialogue, because I guess he had the scribe write it as well. The scribe did it for like one, one ducat. One ducat, yeah. And charged Mac two or three to read it read which it. is very funny they really bond over not being able to read Hugh's like well what do we need to read for we're warriors and Mac's like it bothers me it's like i'm not paid just to be like an idiot though or whatever uh he says so i think maybe that's like a callback to that comment earlier where the prince or whatever was like you guys are idiots and i guess yeah. that maybe gets to mac a little like i should mm. be an idiot like just because i'm in his employee is like a the muscle doesn't mean i shouldn't also be smart just because i'm apparently a leg breaker for this guy <laughs> Who's he's literally charged with going and finding Hugh and essentially murdering him. Yeah. So Mac says, promise me you won't go near the girl again. And then Fitz is like, well, let's go get some ale because all the wine gives me yeah. gas, which is funny. <laughs> Uh, and then we get this crazy transition to, to a bowl of cottage <laughs> cheese. That's and then, I wrote mashed potatoes. I think that's cottage cheese. And then it like zooms out and it's like a picture of cottage cheese on the computer. <laughs> this is insane. However, there's a reason why it's insane. Oh, really? Yeah, well, kind of. It wasn't supposed to be like this. The scenes had to get like cut and reordered because this was like way over on time. So they cut another scene where Fitz and Naomi were making whipped cream together. Ooh. And you can see the way that scene is shot. It like pans up from the whipped cream. And so this scene was supposed to... Or the transition was going to be, like, the flashbacks even took place in different orders. But the cottage cheese to whipped cream is the transition, which makes uh, sense. Uh, Although well, it doesn't really make sense why there's a bowl of cottage cheese sitting out in the hot sun. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, well, cottage cheese to whipped cream. We yeah. totally buy that. But cottage cheese to computer, bridge too far. Well, at least it's a yeah. bowl of white, like, fluffy Goop. stuff. Yeah, that is, like, there's a visual thing there. Yeah. Was that a euphemism? Hugh and Naomi were making whipped cream. Was that a He's actually just, you know, who, who was making whipped cream? Hugh and Naomi. Who? I know. Who? Uh, you got me. Ha! Oh, what a bit. You, trampled, you trampled Eamon's jizz joke, though. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry. To make your who joke. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> to make my joke Two from wrongs. 1925. Make yeah. Right. yeah. Good acting. Have you been practicing your acting? I have, Well, I, you know, I have to stay in practice because I am an actor. That's right. <laughs> 
All right, so we cut to the present. Using a retrieval program. Right, so the transition now is out of the computer, and Mac and Fitz must have left, but now it's Callis who's in the office. Patrick. Yes, yes. and so, yeah, Harry what is, he, what is, is he talking about, Eamon? We're gonna use He's them. like, using a retrieval program, we can see what they were doing on the computer. Yep. What? What the fuck is this? <laughs> Who knows? Callus is also a master hacker. Apparently. Yeah. They're very evenly matched, Duncan yeah. and Callis. And so he needed. But only Callis is a famous baseball announcer. That's yes, true. that's true. Maybe. Philadelphia's own. Fa- Philadelphia's yeah. own, Harry Callis. <laughs> May he rest in Piper. At least he got to call the World Series. That's true. There we go. So, anyway, I don't know exactly what he needed Patrick for for this scenario. Like, to murder him. Just to oh, get him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to get him. Oh, I to guess the that. Yeah, I guess he gets him in the computer lab. Right. Patrick doesn't play a huge role in, like, no. Covering something or... But he does use Patrick to, to murder. So we cut to Fitz's place that night, and Fitz is asleep. And this is the clip that we played at the top of the episode. And Fitz gets this ominous phone call from Callus, telling him that his like, life is over. And he's like, he knows he's a fake, and soon Naomi will. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. This is Ooh. So then Fitz goes back to the computer lab. Right. They get a lot of use out of this desk with a computer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good cheap set. Yeah. <laughs> Making yeah. it work. Nice work, Ken Gord. Saving those ducats. And ducats. Hugh's trying to, like, hack the documents himself. And he's like, oh, I promise I'll take computer lessons. Right. And he's like, come on, work, damn you. And as he mashes, yeah. he's just like, blah, 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 like yeah. random keys. It's and this like, is when the, the computer beeps and bloops are, like, in overdrive. Right. And he's like, oh, how do I erase this? Like, it yeah. is a bunch of techno. It's not even techno jargon. It is nonsense. Yeah. Which actually makes sense because he doesn't know anything. That's yeah. true. Like they're not, they're not trying to make us believe he knows something. He's, he's like, just like meh. Yeah. He's like my mom. One time my mom asked me if my internet gets email. And I was I, like, no, my internet doesn't get email. Don't email me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do an argument once at work. They hired someone quite old to do a very computer-centric task. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to email you these links so that you can set this up. What's your personal email address? Because like we'll need this to set up your work email. And she was like, "Oh, like my email's only on my home computer." I was like, that is that, that is no. not the way email works. And she got like really mad at me. I'm like, "No, I'm just telling you this." Yeah. And the next day she was fired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. So Yikes. Naomi ends up coming in the office. Oh, and she said like Patrick called her or something. Yeah, and said you were here or whatever. Anyway, so Patrick is sitting like off to the side. Fitz does uh, not yeah. notice this we, earlier. We forgot this. Yeah. And he's like, Why is motionless. she responding to anything Patrick says? Yeah. He's... If Patrick's like, come to this place, it's <laughs> yeah. important. Why Never. isn't she like, I, well, you I guess she does there. come with the police. Right. Yeah, so I she, guess that's smart. Oh, yeah. But why would they let her or go does she, in first? Yeah, does she come with the police? Or I thought that was a... Kalas called yeah, them. Yeah, a Kalas call. Kalas. Kalas. Kalasi. Kalas to me. We're really Kalas. stretching this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what can, I'm doing. Can we get some taffy in here? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really stretching out. All right. So she comes in and sees Patrick Patrick's dead. Dead, just sitting there lifeless. And Fitz is trying to explain, I didn't do this. Yeah. All is set up. I just got here too. Blah, blah, blah. Then the police bust in. Yeah. And so Fitz makes it for the door, or, the, or for the window, <laughs> yeah. excuse me, and just fucking jumps. Yeah. And she thinks he's killing himself. Yeah. Because he is. Yeah. I mean, I thought that's what was kind of going to happen. And I was really looking forward to like a good dummy bounce. Uh, but he uh, like, yeah. lands in a box, like a dumpster. a dumpster full of boxes and is fine. There's like a mattress in there too, right? <laughs> yeah, I think but so. he doesn't land on the mattress. There was so much soft in quote stuff in there yeah. this almost felt like a setup that they would have in like a crummy action movie 
to have like a mortal character survive a jump like that. Right. Oh, thank God this truck pulling a bed of mattresses was yeah. here. <laughs> Saved by kitty litter. I, <laughs> I wonder if there was ever a thought that this story would mirror Duncan's in some way. Like if at any point I wonder if this episode was meant to be more serious. Maybe not even with Fitz as the main character, but maybe with him. Because, like, they have that whole, like, walk and talk earlier in the episode about, like, hey, what happened? Like, I really love this woman, but she saw me die. And Fitz was like, well, you can tell her. Like, just explain it. There seems to be a confliction about, like, what to do in that scenario. But in this case, Fitz is put in the same situation. Like, he has to kill himself in front of, possibly. I don't know if she thinks he's dead or not, but I guess they never find the body. Yeah. Who knows? But I, I kind of wondered if there was any sort of interest in telling that story, that he would be forced to kill himself and now have this decision, like, do I leave Paris? Do I start over? Do I figure out some way to make this work? Who knows? Well, I think mm. the difference here is she thinks he's a murderer. Right. right. And that's like a separate hurdle to overcome, separate and apart from the fact that he's got to tell her he's immortal. Like, you for, also have to convince him that you didn't, he didn't kill this person, that he has a very good motive to kill. So we cut inside the barge. And Richie's there. Richie shows up. R.R. He's looking at that race footage. Yep. Yeah. Gotta be a racer. So Richie must have closed the gym pretty quickly after Mac left. Like, what's happening at the gym? I mean, I wish you could give it back to Charlie, but he's all fighting in Parmistan. Yeah. Do you think they refunded a lot of people their yearly membership fees? No. There's actually a class action lawsuit (laughs) pending about it. Stiffen all those meatheads with their triple X chromosomes. That's right. <laughs> so Richie's been doing pretty well on the racing circuit, I guess. He this he got third place in Long Beach. Long Beach, that's right. Mac cheers him with a glass of OJ. And Richie's like super into this. He's like, this isn't about my immortality. Like, I'm a really good racer. And like I this is my chance at like a real life. I can do this for like five to ten years. No one's going to notice. This is great. Like, this yeah. is my break. He's not, like, in the immortal part of his life yet, really. Like, yeah, this like, is he's still normal. a young guy. Right. Fitz comes in, and he's like, I'm up to my ears in it. And it's like, the police are fucking after me. And Mac's like, oh, what's new? Like, this is all old hat, it would seem, for Fitz. And then we get a flashback. Back to Verona, Italy, in Doge's, Dodge's, whatever Dogies. his fucking name is. Dogies. It's called Dogies. <laughs> Dogies. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Much portrait. So spoiled. <laughs> so this guy's all pissed at Mac. He's like, you failed him. My daughter has been with the Englishman. And yeah. Mac is like real surprised about this. He's like, that's what? impossible. Yeah. But I guess it turns out that like she snuck out mm. and that's the deal. My people said you would fail. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> well, why'd you use him? <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. we cut to Fitzcairn's room and Mac busts in and like Fitz is there like snoring and they're like him and the girl are like head to feet, which is pretty funny. They're sleeping yeah. heady footy. Yeah. yeah. And Mac, <laughs> they don't want it to be too intimate. Right. Yeah. Mac rips him out of the, the bed, which is great. And he is super pissed. He's like, oh, like I didn't go to her. She came to me. So I didn't break my promise. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. There's no one else here. That's just the cats. Right. Yeah. So then Mac says the amazing line. Slam? He's like, men will die because you couldn't keep your pecker in your pants. Pecker in your pants. Pecker in your right. pants. Because of this feud between the prince and Gaspari. Gaspari. They end up going into like the closet to have like a private yeah. funny conversation. I think this the, is Are they good. trapped in the closet? Yeah. Yes. Trapped in the closet. <laughs> and while the girl just stares on in the background. Yeah. And- she's like there just <laughs> staring at them. And Fitz says like she was fucking fucking she's before. Nasty. Yeah. She's nasty. <laughs> She, she even taught, taught me, me a thing, thing or two. Or two. Yeah. Uh, and then he was like, she did this one thing. And then like Mac like covered yeah. his <laughs> mouth. So that was pretty good. So anyway, she is not a virgin. It uh, involved the pinky. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh... You did all the work there. I just named a finger. 
But I guess Mac implies, or I guess Fitz implies that she's like banging all the guards. At the, yeah. The people that are keeping her guarded to make sure she doesn't have sex are all having sex with her. Mm. But yeah, some weird, some weird body stuff here with like some weird bodies. Although stuff. I get it, like at least this is in flashback. And do you say body or body? Body, body, body stuff. Body stuff. Body stuff. Mm. Body stuff. Like that they like they're controlling her body. Oh, that sort of okay. stuff. Like it's uh, like you know, like she can sleep with whoever she wants to. Sure. But again, this is in the 1600s, so like it makes sense in this context. So I'm like, I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah, it is still upsetting. But right. So we cut outside, and Mac, Fitz, and the princess are leaving. I guess they're trying to make sneak their way back Beating to the feet. castle. Yeah, right. But, but then, then this sneaky guy that was <laughs> right. sneakily looking at Mac in the meeting with the prince, right, comes this, out with two spear dudes. Spear dudes. <laughs> the sneaky goon. Yeah. <laughs> the spear goons. Well, he like looks at Mac when he leaves in the one scene. He has like a sneaky look on his yeah, face. Yeah, he like doesn't trust Mac for yeah. whatever reason. And he's like, all right, we're going to chop Hugh's head off. <laughs> right. So, uh-oh. Mac comes up with this idea. He's like, well, he's like soiled my honor as well. So let me duel him. Mm-hmm. And so him and Fitz have a sword fight, which is cool to see. Yeah. This is also like... I thought a really great fight. They do it all in one take. Did anyone notice that? There oh, no, I there didn't are no cuts that. in this wow. fight. It's all and apparently that's like a uh, like I don't know, maybe they're low on time, but mm. like it's all just the master shot, which is like your kind of wide shot. They never did it another time to get like all the close ups and stuff for pacing. So good on them for like crushing this in like one take. Wow. Yeah. yeah. While they're fighting, Fitz is like, so what's our plan? Like, when do I make my escape or yeah. whatever? Oh, also, there's a really funny bit of dialogue because Mac is like, you should fight like your hardest. And Fitz is like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mac. So anyway, Fitz is like, when do I make my escape? And he's like, you don't. And he just stabs him. But then this goon is like, well, I'm still taking his head because that was my orders. Yeah. So Mac is defends Fitz's body and he's like, don't breed him around on a bike or whatever. <laughs> he fought bravely. <laughs> and the little, the little hand like, motion he yeah. does. He's like, po- like poking up with his little dagger. His Dirk. <laughs> his Highland Dirk. Highland Dirk. <laughs> Highland right. Dirk Diggler. So we cut to later. Fitz is waking up. I guess Fitz was like, well, you could have taken my head. And Mac is like, I thought about it. Like, yeah. But anyway, they laugh and they decide they're going to go they're learn to read and write. Be best buddies. Right. There's more to this reading and writing than meets the eye. Yeah. Right. I thought that was funny. Like a transformer. <laughs> so reading. The, the letters transform into words with meaning. And ideas. Wow. Take us to another world. LeVar Burton. I was just going to say that. All right. Very good. So <laughs> that was a weird bit. Now, Sorry, they're, now they're BFFs, which is great. So yeah. This is fun. Um, it was fun to see kind of the origin of their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut to the present, and Fitz is telling Mac the whole situation. He thinks how people think he murdered Patrick and how he got this weird call. And so Mac asks about the call with the voice sound like, it's, of course, callous, we find out. Uh, yeah. And then there's some police sirens. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And the police pull up. Uh, so Mac is like, get the fuck out of here. Take the back entrance. I don't. I don't understand the entrances to the barge, but somehow the back entrance just is like undetectable. To the water. And just yeah, goes in the water. He has like a little torpedo tube that he escapes from. Right. I don't. It looks like he like climbs around the back of the boat and I guess jumps in the water. I guess yeah. it must be like a side entrance or something that like is not visible from the land. That's yeah, how you can I, sneak out because it's like how how do you get out of a boat without someone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, and also like get into the water without them hearing you. Yeah, the, there's a bloop. <laughs> yeah the, the bloop the bloop <laughs> also richie throws i'm sorry mr mcleod we heard a bloop <laughs> yeah we heard a bloop <laughs> richie throws like a mug out of like the porthole window 
I guess to make conceal the fact that there were three people. I guess. Oh, I didn't even notice like, that. Put it in the sink. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this is very suspicious. No one has a used teacup. Yeah. What's this third teacup? I just thought that was <laughs> funny. Really funny. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Hugh gives Mac his pipe for safekeeping. Right. Which is significant. He says, take care of it because he doesn't want it to get wet. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they go off and then the police come in. Either Lady Callis Cop. inform them about it or they just kind of know through Naomi about the friendship or whatever. So they yeah. come in. I'm surprised they think he's alive. Well, he I guess they didn't they find, find the, the body. body. Yeah, they so. didn't find the body. Yeah. So then Inspector Bardot shows up. Anybody Ooh. remember Inspector Bardot? Is this the this same is lady? the same person? It's the same name, but oh. a different actress. It's a different so lady. The, okay, same the other person. woman was blonde. Yeah. Correct. Right. And she was beige watch, if you remember. Yeah, yeah she was beige, beige watch. watch. All beige. Everything about it was beige. I guess it's cool that they, it sounds like, wanted to have it be the same detective. But I guess probably just couldn't get the actress. She's in too high demand. Probably. Mm-hmm. She was a Be- model. Yeah. yeah, beige is everywhere. Beige That's is weird. everywhere. <laughs> she was in the episode with Hyde, right? Yes. Hyde the Hunter. What was that episode? That was Prodigal Son. Prodigal Son, Son. Mm. correct. Yeah. Uh, so Mac leaves and leaves Richie to deal with her. I don't like this is so awkward. Mac's like, I'm leaving for yeah. no reason while they're doing an investigation about him. Ostensibly, yeah. like you're his friend. You were seen with him. I'm out. But Mac, then Richie's out. like, Oh, you want to see my racing yeah. tapes? Yeah. And he's like, Sit so down. It's going to be really a long, funny. long day. He I thought seems that was like genuinely excited to show her his racing tapes. This is the return of. Raw Dog Ryan, though. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, detective. Mm-hmm. I go get... fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's not forget Richie's criminal record. In France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he stole that cop's gun. <laughs> when he murdered those people. Wasn't he under investigation for murder? In oh, in that episode. In, that episode, in, in Prodigal, Prodigal Son, Son, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He murdered a number of people. And he burned, burned, oh, he burned Gabriel, uh, Patone. Gabriel Patone. house down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richie's not been having a good time in Paris. So yeah. we cut to later under one of these kind of tunnels, and Fitz is getting out of the water, and Callus shows up. And it turns out, I guess, Callus has been following him for, like, maybe the miles. He's like, oh, I thought I lost you, like, a yeah. mile ago. It's like, wow, this is a while that Fitz has been just... Swimming around. Maybe he's he can a, swim underwater, he's, he's like sh- in the Highlander movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> he just walked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just walked and giggled to himself. <laughs> well, he says, like, excellent swimmer <laughs> or something like that. So it's time to so, fight. Fitz is also really pissed, too. Like, they have given Fitz some, I guess, justification to, like, hate Callus as well because he's like, you took away the best years of my life. Like, the best life I ever had. Yes, that's yeah. it. Because he was so in love with Naomi and, like, this was his perfect life, I guess. And now that's all gone. So he's pissed, too. And so then they start to fight. And then I got really sad because I was like, oh, they're fighting. Like, Actually, Hugh just beats Callus and that's the end of the Callus cycle. Yeah, but I think, like, over. if you were watching this for the first time, I don't think, spoiler alert, Fitz is going to bite the big one soon. But, like, I don't think you necessarily Mac? think yeah. that... Fitz would die in this episode. At I all. was surprised. Yeah. Especially because Mac then shows up. But I think the second they start fighting, it's like, oh no, like, how is this going to end? Like, yeah. yeah. What do we do? Um, so this fight is pretty good. Yeah. Again, this is good. Roger Daltrey crushes it. Like, I think he surprised everybody with his, like, acting chops from the minute we saw him. We're like, damn, he's like the best guest star in season one. And then, like, he's, like, crushing it with the sword. We've seen far worse people with the sword. Oh, yeah. I oh, think. Like, yeah. He was great. He's no Jones yet, but um. yeah. <laughs> this is a great fight. It's on a weird like police boat thing or something. Yeah, I don't know what this boat is. I don't know either. It looks There's like a weird like crane on it or something. Municipal yeah. boat for something. Yeah, I don't know. I guess one reason they they would fight under the tunnels a lot is since it's dark down there, they can fight during the day. But uh, it looks like night. 
Yeah. Because they want to have nighttime quickenings, but that would really screw up your schedule because it's like when we start filming and it's two in the morning, now like our next day's shoot needs to start late and like we need to schedule it all weird. So they would try to do a lot of these kind of like indoors or under these tunnels so they could shoot in the middle of the day mm. just like normal. Mm. So that was interesting. Smart move, Ken Gord. Good job. All right. So then Callus wins. He like stabs Pew through the chest like yeah, downward. Brutal. Yeah, that's really brutal. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Max shows up and he's like, and Hugh's like, no, no, no. Like, it's I'm, my fight, It's laddie. my fight. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's, like, a very close quarters thing. Because they're, like, yeah. on the boat. Like, they keep, like, slamming these barrels. It's like, cool. This is, yeah. And it's also, awesome. like, heartbreaking that Mac is there, too. Like, Mac has to watch this right. happen, which is crazy. Callus wins and takes Fitz's head. I think this quickening looks really good. Yeah. Callus um, has good quickening acting. Yeah. The scarf's flying all over the place. I yeah. think the special effects His look scarf. markedly better. I don't know. I I don't know. Well, there's about, no like, the like lightning creepy cool. ghost or like. Yeah, I think it's just that this is hologram straightforward, and we haven't done that yeah. for a minute. Yeah. yeah. There's, Although, where's Kahani though? Yeah. Where, where's Kahani? Where, where's the ghost of Brother Timon? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Brother Timon. Shouldn't it be the, the Shouldn't it be the ghost of uh, the princess? The princess, yeah. right? Yeah. Fear his love. But Ken Gord actually mentioned this when we interviewed him. Remember, he told us about like he fired a special effects dude who like screwed up once yeah this is that instant oh really one of, one of these things that exploded sent a piece of plastic shrapnel into callus's eye Whoa. or david rob's eye and you can see it like in the show like there's an explosion and then like callus like flinches and his arm goes up but he was a champ and like didn't stop they didn't they kept shooting and he had this like big cut like an inch away from his eye oh my uh, god and apparently he was fucking pissed he was like flipping out of ken gord like what the fuck is this about yeah i uh, almost i almost lost an eye yeah uh but then ken just fired the special effects guy who also this was like his first job on the show he said they've always like when like they would have different guys do this in seacouver or vancouver and in paris and they had this steady guy that did all their effects in paris and for some reason the first episode they decided like let's try out somebody new and there was an accident, and so he got fired right away, and they brought the new effects guy back on. Hmm. So that's how this all shook out. Wow. Listen to our Ken Gord interview to hear that story and more. And more. He's, that's a, there's some fun stuff in that interview. That's right. Then uh, Mac is like, all right, I'm going to fucking get you now. And he Cal's hops on like, the boat. You've caught me like, not at my best. Yeah. yeah, he looks pretty exhausted from his quickening and I mean, obviously having just fought. Yeah. Right. And like running after Hugh swimming right. for like an hour or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so he like cuts a steam tube. Whatever what that is. That? What like, is that? It looks like it's made out of paper. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird tube that he cuts and all this steam comes. pops out. Yeah. yeah. And Callus just vanishing ghosts i wish he just pulled out like a smoke pellet <laughs> that would have been more believable yeah the callus had a smoke pellet right also i like callus is wearing a scarf but it's just like one really long white piece i like and it. i think Aren't it's funny all scarves one piece <laughs> yeah it's true but <laughs> it's like it's... he's not wearing like sometimes both danglies are dangling uh-huh but this one's only one. Oh, really? I just it's don't like know one, how to wear so a I got scarf. one dangly. <laughs> one dangly. Interesting. It's called a dongle. A dongle. <laughs> one scarf dongle. There you go. He disappears. And then we get a very kind of brief montage with some opera music of mm-hmm. like some flashes of fits. I'm like, aw. Uh, and then we get the denouement of very the episode. Sad. We yeah. cut to the barge. And Richie is saying to Mac like how he wish he knew him more. Mac's holding the pipe. It's very sad. And then Maurice busts in. Who he's like, oh, I borrowed this he has like, like a, a tapestry carpet. Yeah. or something. It's like, what did you borrow that, that for? A, I thought it was a blanket. 
Oh, I think blanket? it's like a tapestry. Oh. If that's the, a blanket, it's the roughest. It's <laughs> <laughs> very rough hewn. It's made of burlap. And then Maurice likes that tension. Anyway, he's like, "Oh, it's gonna be like old times, like us pals back together," and it's very somber. Like, Max like, "No, no it's, it's not. not." And then mm. the episode's over. Uh, did anyone? I don't know if they did this intentionally or just kind of the way this ended up shaking out. Like, I got a vibe of that this was almost mirroring the Darius episode, the Hunters with Fitz. Because it had a very similar thing, like Fitz is there and him and Mac are talking about like oh, Darius is dead, blah blah blah. And then like jovial Richie comes in, hey no, guys, right. yeah. like what happened? Like somebody die, and it's like kind of fun. well, he's being lighthearted, and then it's like no, this is bad news. It's like oh shit, and this seemed to kind of play out exactly the same way. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool. Hmm. I don't. Know. I think you can look at it that way. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. And is that actually the last episode that he was in before this? Oh, the hunters. I put that this is his third episode of seven, but maybe I. I. It was a typo. Is this his second? No, I mean he was in the. No, hunters, he's in. But, the, but I'm saying yeah. that this would be his second, not third. He was in the oh. hunters. Right. Isn't that his first appearance? Maybe this is his second appearance. I. I maybe misspoke and said third. What are your thoughts on this episode, guys? This is a good one. There's not much to talk about. There you know is. What I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I think there is a lot to talk about. Well, not like a lot in terms of like it's a very good episode. Yeah. It's great, yeah. and like the tone it strikes is kind of amazing. It's kind of insane that this like moment of extreme sadness follows this like kind of fundamentally lighthearted episode. I think that makes it better. Like yeah. I had a note about that too. It's like it's almost funny that they chose this episode to follow Song of the Executioner. Like I mean maybe it's because that was such a heavy episode. That one was like, such a stone cold bummer. They yeah. didn't continue with the drama. Like they're like, well let's just keep that same character but do like a funny episode and still, you know, move the plot along, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I think the fact that it's such a lighthearted episode and I think like you love Fitz in this episode a lot. Like, I think that adds to his death being a real bummer because the whole episode, you're just like, these guys are charming. They're best friends. And so then to see Duncan lose his best friend is a real shame. Yeah. yeah. It really stinks. And there's just also a ton of parallels between this episode and Song of the Executioner. Like, the reading theme carries over. Like, obviously, in the last episode is when we actually see Mac really and truly learn how to read. The parallel between the situation Mac is in and the situation with Anne and the situation Hugh is in with Naomi has this really strong parallel there. He loses buddies back to back. Yeah. Mac's having a rough week. Sure is. Losing people left and right. One thing I wish they maybe changed a little bit about this episode was, like, I mean, the Patrick plot, I think, is, like, way too over the top. Like, it's kind of crazy. But I think the thing that I don't like about it is he's trying to kill Fitz from the very first, like, frame of the episode. Like, he's trying to run him off the the road, which is nuts. And so it's like, this guy already is trying to ruin Fitz's life without the assistance of Callus. So I wish it was more that Callus observed there was jealousy and turned that jealousy into something that was more sinister. Well, I think because it's like, just... what is what is Callus really doing? Like, other than kind of just setting up the scenario where Fitz finds the body and gets framed for it, I wish that like Callus had a hand in like amping up the tension. Well, I think they could have just kept it simpler. It could have just been this guy's jealous. He's an asshole. Maybe they get into a small, like, physical skirmish. Like, he doesn't try to kill him, but, like, maybe that that little funny brawl happens in the kitchen. Callus uses that, like, sees that go on and goes, uh-huh. And then everything else that we see happen with the, the computer plot yeah. happens. Like, the whole escalation with the gun seems unnecessary and doesn't really move the plot forward. Right. I mean, I think they just want it to be, like, an action-packed thing. So mm-hmm. that's why that stuff's in there. But, it was uh, fairly action-packed. It did have yeah. the feeling of, like, all right, we need an action beat here. Yeah. Let's, I'm let's fine with this that. Up. Right. Yeah. The computer scene in this, 
I give like a crazy pass. This is one of those things like where like if the needle just goes in a different direction just a little bit, this episode is like dark and maybe in some cases boring, like the computer scene. It's like we've seen this scene before in Deadly Medicine. Yeah. Where they look up stuff on a computer and try to find files and it's like the most boring thing it's like what are we watching and it's like laughable at how dumb it is it's like people discuss medical records yeah but in this episode like while maybe the mechanics of like how are they looking stuff up or what are they doing beep bop boop that's all maybe a little silly but like that's a ninja turtle villain right yeah, yeah beep, 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 beep bop in rocksteady <laughs> yeah. younger brother yeah. <laughs> but like the uh, the actual scene itself is charming and great yeah. like they could that scene would have worked almost doing anything like they mm-hmm. could have just been sitting around a table talking about stuff and like goofing around and i don't know it's doing a crossword it's puzzle yeah but it's it's a fun scene where like in deadly medicine this scene is nonsense because it's implausible already yeah i love software upgrades that's yeah. right i was really surprised that fitz died like this early in quotes yeah this being my like rewatch i didn't really i don't think i saw this one when okay. I was a kid yeah 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 it is kind of a shocker yeah. to me he had the feeling of plot armor you know yeah yeah uh, like oh he'll pull through i mean i knew he didn't but i think seeing it for the first time this is a shocking yeah moment although i think it does work kind of okay like in this episode we do get to see kind of the lighter side of mac but by and large mac in present day is like a fairly stoic serious guy still so to get rid of the fun character in the present doesn't really do much to mac because like we get to see them pal around more in the past anyway like that's the fun interactions i i think the most fun the most fun yeah so i don't think it necessarily damages too much of storytelling stuff because like fitz will appear could appear in more episodes if they didn't kill him but the fun parts about this episode would probably inevitably be flashback i think there's something funny about their present day interaction because like max the straight man to huge that's true. like yeah goofiness yeah in this episode they nail the balance of him like playing it straight without being like a buzzkill yeah <laughs> you know like he contributes and they're having fun like you get you really buy into this relationship pretty well yeah. i feel like they're like hugh and fitz begins story is right. pretty good another cool thing i think this episode does well is if you had never seen the previous fitz episode i think you're on board right away like the introduction of fitz is charming i think yeah. you get the character right away like that car chase scene right in the beginning mm-hmm. i think gives you all the info you need on their relationship on what Fitz's outlook on life is like all that sort of stuff i think really yeah. does a good job without feeling like because sometimes you, in, we've critiqued the show for that very thing like this feels like they're kind of like doing a second pilot or like mm-hmm. they're reintroducing a character like i never feel like they're reintroducing Fitz. I feel like we just get this character again, but they've given you enough kind of painting around him that it's like, oh, I get it. Like You, you know. get these quick touchstones yeah, about um, what their relationship is That doesn't is feel like. like old material for viewers that have already seen the first episode with him. Was anyone else surprised that we didn't get a Dust in the Wind montage for you? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, maybe, maybe we're supposed to because there was that very short montage with the opera. Very yeah. short. Uh, and apparently this episode ran very long. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if that got cut. Because... Werner Stocker got one too, didn't he? Werner Stocker got like eight. <laughs> got, yeah. <laughs> but he got one when he actually died. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Maybe if they cut that last time on Highlander in the beginning. Yeah. They would have time. Or maybe they learned their lesson because we're, as we're about to see, they don't do that next episode. And I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Although it, maybe they, realize almost, they now have to recap two episodes. Yeah. So. What well, almost would make more sense for the next episode to have it, not this one. This one. Yeah. Agreed. Also, one thing I think that's interesting is, I guess the writers referred to it that way. We refer to it this way as the callous cycle. And I just want to, since I'm a music person, cycle is like a term that is used for like a, a musical set of songs that mm-hmm. go together. 
Hmm. Um, so you would have a music cycle or a, usually a song cycle, uh, and they might be kind of separate. Yeah, and usually that's the thing is they're sometimes separate stories mm-hmm. uh, or separate songs. Like they've they've got their own lyrics. They're not necessarily connected like story wise. Like there's not an arc, but maybe there's a theme that goes through all of them or a musical motif or that sort of thing. And they're called cycles. Hmm. Um, so I think it's neat that there's kind of a musical reference even in this kind of batch of episodes called the cow cycle right with the opera man that's right we'll get more into that in the next episode is it time for a game yeah game time All right, guys, it's game time. So we're going to play a little game of three and five. We haven't played this in a little while. Uh, And so the rules of the game are you have five seconds to name three examples of the question or clue I give you. You get one point for each one that you get correct. And if you get all three, you get a bonus point. That's right. Eamon, are you ready to play? I'm ready. Kyle, are you ready to play? Born that way. All right. And we're going to go back and forth. Eamon, you're at first. Okay. Name three Who songs. The Tommy Pinball Wizard. Hey. Uh, oh, that's not three. <laughs> no, it's not. It's two. <laughs> two. All right, so. And one. I'm not positive those are actual titles of songs. But. All right, so you get one point. <laughs> Kyle, the Who wrote Pinball Wizard. <laughs> Can you name three famous wizards? Uh, Merlin, Gandalf, Dumbledore. Hey, oh. two points for Kyle. That's four points. Four points. <laughs> Wait, did. so did Eamon got two points. You get one point for each one that you get. And two yeah. points for the last one. I, you uh, know, hey. Aha. Very good. Eamon, what are Fitz's three favorite things to cook? Nope. <laughs> oh, if it was named three food items. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes. In this episode, he never said what his food uh, Oh, I was not getting that. Uh, sorry, no points. Kyle... Name three classical composers. Uh, Beethoven, Chopin, and uh, 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 Bach. I'll give it to you. I don't know why I blanked. <laughs> I was just like, what? Bach. Eamon, name three makers of motorcycles. Uh, Ducati, Indian, Harley Davidson. Whoa, all right. <laughs> you went with Ducati. I know. <laughs> Not Honda. Not or Honda. <laughs> Or uh, Harley Davidson. <laughs> Kyle, name three famous landmarks in Paris. Uh, the Arc de Triomphe, the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre. Hey, four points. A lot of points. I'm lo- Louvin' it. <laughs> hey, man, can you name three episodes from season two? Uh, the Hunters. Uh... <laughs> Incorrect. <Damn it. laughs> oh, shit, it's Mama. The Watchers. Damn it, I suck. All right, Kyle, name three episodes from season one. Uh, the Gathering, The Eye of the Beholder, and, and Innocent Man. Ooh. Uh, I'll defer I think you, you on got that. two on that All one. All right. Two. All right, this is the last round. Amen. Oh. Can you name three actors from Highlander 2? Uh, Christopher Lambert, Michael Ironside, John C. McGinley. All right. Four points for Mr. Amen. Well done. And finally, Kyle, can you name three immortal friends Mac has lost? He's lost uh, Darius, Hugh Fitzcarran, and um, Gabriel Platone. All right. Very good. So let's tally up the points. Tally-ho. Tally-who. Tally-hugh. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Oh, did you actually know that the character's name is Hugh? Because he's the front man of the Who. Oh, I didn't it's know. It's a known that. fact. <laughs> All right, the final it's a known scores. Fact that we invented. Yeah. In three and five fact. 
Our Eamon has a grand total of 10 points. Ooh. Kyle is the winner with a total of 18 Ooh. points. Good job, Kyle. Very Schmouse good. Out. And that's how you play Three and Five. Hey, guys. Let's take a listen from executive producer Bill Panzer on why they decided to kill Hugh Fitzcairn. Ooh, this will be a good palate cleanser for Eamon. It'll mm. wash the taste of defeat out of his mouth. <laughs> we kill Fitz in this episode. In order to add power and some meaning to an immortal life, they can't all just kind of skip down the highway together forever. Sometimes a good guy has to die. Since he was, since Roger was very popular with us and very popular with the audience, that there was no reason that he couldn't continue to return to the show in flashback and see more of that buddy relationship that he and McLeod had that you know we liked and uh, the audience liked as well. It's good that they were thinking that far ahead about it. Yeah. yeah. I don't exactly get what his reasoning was there about why they had to kill him. It's not the reasoning I necessarily would have given that, like, we just felt like we should kill a, a mortal good guy. guy? Like, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's to raise the, die, I think like, yeah. to raise the stakes more than anything for Callus. It's like Callus killed one of our favorite characters. Yeah. Fuck him. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Although, like, I personally didn't particularly need the stakes raised higher. But that's a crazy thing about like this whole Callus plot. They keep raising the stakes. Like, I, I have notes on this on the next episode. I wonder if they ever thought this was the last season. Because mm-hmm. like I mean, this has a this season has a very kind of finite ending. Like I really like the end of this. It, the this season wraps up really nicely. Yeah. But like they seem to be pulling all, out all the stops. It's like let's like get rid of Anne's relationship. Like Callus is clearly like the worst. Then he, they've got him killing Fitz, and then in the next episode they have him find out about the Watchers, and that's gonna like kind of unravel things as well. It's like how many things do we need to make this character like villainous? Like, yeah, and ultra threatening. Yeah. Like, yeah, as threatening as he can possibly be. Yeah, like I feel like if they just had him kill Fitz, you could be like, oh, he's like, oh, the worst villain of the season, and then like have a different villain do the Watcher thing next season or whatever these are all perfect things to raise the stakes on their own you know what i mean like they didn't need to combine them i'm happy they did because i think it actually is like it works well i think it really ramps it up and it's cool so good on them also guys why don't we take a listen from mr stan kirsch friend of the show uh, on his experience working with roger daltrey growing up you know and being a fan of the who and seeing sort of him and mick jagger you know in this one spot i was a little nervous and i do remember there was the first or second day that he came to shoot uh, again, Adrian's busy, and he says, uh, you want to grab dinner? And I say, you want just you and me? And he says, yeah. I'm like, sure. And I, <laughs> I felt like I was, I felt like I was on a date. I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? What it was a about date. Adultery about? He was just the greatest guy, nicest guy, and instantly turns to us. You guys are the pros. You help me. And uh, immediately the walls were broken down, and he empowered me. And uh, I don't think that he wanted people around him thinking, oh, he's Roger, he's great, he's this, he's that. I think he wanted to learn, and I think he wanted to grow. And uh, he had such reverence for us that uh, immediately the disparity in our uh, (laughs) celebrity (laughs) was kind of broken down. I also remember being, uh, Adrian and I went to England at one point on a weekend, and we took the train back from London to Paris with Roger. And so the three of us are sitting together on the train, and these kids are coming by, and they're asking Adrian for his autograph, they're asking me for my autograph, and they're looking at him like, who's the old guy with the blonde hair? You know, and I remember thinking, this is just too bizarre. I think he's just a normal guy underneath it 
all, and he's got a great attitude. That's Aww. really cool. That's yeah, heartwarming. Cool. Yeah. Did I just say heartwarming? <laughs> heartwarming. <Worming? laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the condition dogs get. <laughs> Heartworms. Yeah. So here's another little behind-the-scenes tidbit. Mm. So apparently this script was written not with Fitz as a cooking instructor, but he was going to be a professor. And they scouted locations. And it was going to be the same plot. There was going to be, like, another jealous teacher or whatever. Uh, but they scouted locations, and they found these, like, classrooms and stuff. And they found it, like, visually not interesting enough. Like, mm. they were just kind of old dusty rooms and you know way classrooms are and so then they kind of redid the script and made him a cooking instructor that way there could be like hustle and bustle and like action happening because right. which is an interesting thing to think about it's like you think like a university it's like oh that'll be a nice grand space but it's like also a very quiet space and it's like you know what i mean like not yeah. much is actually happening yeah unless uh, they're always in the hallway or something. right like yeah. between class and all that sort of stuff so i think smart move pretty interesting yeah yeah any final thoughts on this episode what were your favorite parts of this episode favorite part that's a tough one i really do enjoy the flashback buddying around stuff when they get to know each other and we get to see that relationship grow yeah i like the cool car flip and sparks cool car flip i think cool my favorite flip, part blow. is the bedroom scene with fitz and mac when they're when he yanks him out of bed because of your pretty... purient interest in the subject exactly <laughs> <laughs> shall we rate this episode yes all Let's right kyle how many lobsters poked with a fork would you give this episode Am I rating the pokes or the number of lobsters? How many lobsters poked with the force? How many lobsters? Okay. I give this four and a half lobsters. I love this episode. It's great. It's fun. It's nothing but fun. Like, this is one of the... It's not quite nothing but fun. At the end, it takes a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, does, no. it, it gets intense at the end. But I mean, in terms of what this episode delivers on, it is lacking a moral question, unless the moral question is the importance of reading, which is very important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moral question solved. One of the simpler questions this show has. It's a yes or no question. Is reading important? <laughs> Yes. I'm prepared to say this might be the most fun episode of Highlander to date in the series. Yes. I think that's probably a fair comment, and I was more entertained by it than pretty much any other episode. So in terms of, like, delivering on the quality, it's got, like, its weird quirks and its, like, odd wrinkles. But in terms of being a fun episode that you buy into that with strong characters and good performances, it's really hard to beat this. 4.5 lobsters Get that are poked with a fork. Yeah, Mr. Amen. Yeah. Yes, sir. How many falsified resumes would you give this? Oh, I'm going to go with four falsified resumes yeah? on my crazy internal scale that I'm judging these episodes on. And I will give this, out of Crazy Old Maurice's, I'll give Ooh. this 4.5 Crazy Old Maurice's as well. This is a near-perfect near episode. Like, both of these Callus episodes, I think, are near-perfect. They're uh, really good. And, Kyle, yeah, you brought up the fact that it doesn't have the moral question, which is interesting. And neither did the last episode. Yeah. Other than, again, if you want to, like, try to pull one out, like, what should Mac have done with Anne? Like, those are some questions, maybe. But, like, that's not a theme in the episode or anything like that. It's just something that happens. It's kind of remarkable how good these episodes are without the moral question. Because the moral question, I think, helps these episodes a lot. Yeah. Or certainly can help some of the ones that don't have some pizzazz and good performances. Like, the, the right, question's like, what's interesting. Blind faith, I feel, feel like the question saves that episode. Right. Yeah. In a stodgy, very yeah. dry Slow episode, episode. Written by the same guy, right? Heathcliff. Heathcliff. Wrote well, a very unfunny episode, and then he wrote this one. I can mm. really see the connection to Rear Window. In that yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a dynamite episode. Dynamite. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. uh, so I guess that wraps up our episode this week, and we're very excited because you have to join us next week for Season 3, Episode 16. Mythos. Mythos. 
we're all pumped for this. We are the, like the fresh maker. Yeah, Mythos yes. the fresh maker. Eamon didn't like that joke. Sorry, Eamon. All right. Well, we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. I am not your chum. I'm not your chum, bastard. I'm not your bastard, friend. I'm not your friend, chum.